All right. Well, this is the time in our show when we get to sit down with an influential voice in our city. Today, Katie Zippieri uh, joins me. She is a social entrepreneur, author, TEDx speaker, podcast host, and social influencer. Welcome, Katie, to Toronto this weekend. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So how do you find time to do all of this? This is a long list of things. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Maggie, we're uh, we're enjoying living life on the edge. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So what is the vibe this morning in Toronto? What are you up to? Are you going to be, uh, how are you enjoying this beautiful weather outside? It is so beautiful. Right? Like I, this is what we all have been waiting for. So yes. I am definitely going to be outside as much as I can be today. Um, I'm coming downtown for a TFC game tonight. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to spending the day outside. This is where I like the city just comes alive, right? And yeah. all of the great things that Toronto has to offer, it just shines. And uh, it's just a beautiful time to be in the city. So let's, let's start off with your connection to the city. Um, are you from the GTA originally? What's your connection to Toronto, the GTA area? I am. Yeah, I was um, born and, and raised in the Durham region, so part of the greater Toronto area. And I'm I'm currently living there as well. I mean, Toronto has always served as this. It was the place that you kind of looked to growing up in school as, you know, this is where stuff happens. Hmm. <laughs> this this buzzing city where there's events and, um, you know, possibilities. And I think especially for me growing up and and I actually went to school at uh, now Toronto Metropolitan University. Mm-hmm. It was the place to be. And, and I was very interested in broadcasting, uh, especially at that period of time. And, you know, that was the place to be. And, and you could just have incredible connections to internship opportunities and, you know, actually having guests come in and speak to you. So I've always sort of looked to Toronto as this this place of possibility, and it still is absolutely the, uh, that for me today. I mean, I'm commuting in often for meetings and events and conferences and, you know, hanging out with friends, and uh, it's, it's, it's a buzzing city. And I mean, even now that I'm traveling quite a bit for for work, you come home and you're like, you know, there's something about this city. And anytime anybody asks me to describe Toronto, you know, I'm traveling to the US quite a bit these days. They're like, you know, what what's Toronto like? I haven't been there. And it's like, oh man, you got to come and, and experience just like our food scene. You got to come yeah. and experience, um, you know, the people and just this mixing of so many different cultures. And I'll just start describing all the things that, that have always made me really excited about Toronto. I don't think... For me, uh, born and raised here, and it wasn't until I moved out of the city that I actually think I appreciated the city. And you realize all of the things that you just described, Katie, are so true. Uh, but when you're in it, it's almost like this is just home. And then you realize when you leave the city and you hear people talk about it, the good and the bad, right? Because there are those who feel like Torontonians feel like they're the center of the universe. And, you know, for some, they do. Um, But uh, this sense of like, yeah, it is really a a great city and a great space. So how do you describe the vibe of Toronto right now? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to focus on the positive. (laughs) To start, like, certainly there's... Um, some very real issues that we can talk about, and I think we we need to be talking about. But if I were to just kind of on the surface, uh, on the positive, really talk about this 
this movement towards, I, I'm feeling it especially as an entrepreneur, I think that Toronto is buzzing in terms of, you know, really leaning into tech and innovation um, and how do we bring new opportunities here that are that are really cutting edge. I think that there's always been such a great team spirit in Toronto. And, you know, we've always had hardcore fans for all teams. Um, it was awesome, though, sort of seeing, uh, to me, the Raptors winning and that that parade and the energy that was happening in the city. I feel like that has really, like, lifted up a whole other um, kind of spirit and energy for Toronto. And I, I do say, like, I mean... Drake coming on board, he just kind of like joined in on that team at a time where there was already movement, there was already excitement. And I feel like he really did add a lot to that. Like yeah. he added a lot of um, excitement and anticipation. And I think it's brought people together in a really cool and special way. And it, you know, he had a, an album about the six and I think it made Torontonians and especially young people like even more proud of this city. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, for once we've seen, I think, I think for once we've seen somebody who has made it, it globally, but has also made it cool to say I'm from Toronto and that's okay. You know, like, yeah. and, and, and so now there's this interest and uh, excitement about the city globally as well, which is quite interesting. I want to chat a little bit more about you, Katie. Um, you're the founder and CEO of Girl Talk Speakers Bureau, and you're really passionate about empowering girls. Why is that? Yeah, so um, you know what, Maggie? I started speaking when I was in high school, and I started speaking um largely because I, I just saw so many challenges that my peers and also students a lot younger were experiencing. Uh, and that was then, you know, we're talking 10, 15 years back when social media wasn't yet a thing. Mm. But I started talking about leadership and standing up against bullying and uh, what it means to be somebody who doesn't, you know, just go through their days thinking, I can't do anything, I can't contribute, what can I do? And instead thinking, I have the power to make a difference around me. I, I can take small actions. And uh, if there's things that I see that, you know, are injustices around me, if there's causes I'm passionate about, I can actually do something that can really make an impact. So that was kind of this, you know, um, passion for me that started in schools and I started speaking at schools. And as I got, you know, through university and, and was continuing to do that, I really just saw like a unique focus for, for girls. And it was just naturally, I think me talking about um, my story. And when I would go to schools, I would, of course, talk about, you know, the self-esteem challenges and that. And I would just find that a lot of young ladies would come up to me and say, you know, I really related to that, or I'm really struggling with this. And I realized before we could even have a conversation about leadership, we kind of needed to address some of these very real concerns that young people, in this case, particularly girls, were experiencing. So that's when I started Girl Talk Empowerment. And Maggie, like, I ran that for seven years. Mm -hmm. I uh, we, we actually stopped Girl Talk Empowerment in, in 2019. Um, we had uh, an annual event in Toronto bringing a thousand girls together. Um, and I really wanted to source, like, 
motivational speakers and YouTubers and performers and people that they looked up to and have them come um, for this really empowering day to hear all of these positive messages from people that they admire. So we had this annual event. We were Canada's largest girl empowerment event. We had an international school chapter network. We had a hundred different schools at one period of time running programs and running chapters uh, which was so, so special to see. Um, and that that cause is still a part of, of my my passion. I still speak as much as I can, not only to, to girl audience, but youth audiences in general. And actually, currently today, I'm um, I'm actually running a, a PR and marketing agency called called the Mic Drop Agency. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit. We have two minutes and we're going to take a break and come back so we can start the conversation. But I might interrupt you, Katie. Uh, why did you end? Uh, why did you end the uh, empowering girls, the girl talk uh, speakers bureau? Because I feel like even more now than ever, it's needed. Yeah, you know, I, it was interesting. I think I came in at a really awesome time with this topic, and um, we we built, you know we built a ton of connections and meaningful relationships that I'm so proud of. And I think it was just, it was just the next chapter mm. and it felt like the next chapter for a number of reasons. Actually, now that I think about it, Maggie, it was right before COVID. Oh, well, there you go. Um, yeah. That we ended up stopping. So I think um, that naturally would have been challenging, yeah. but I think also just as an entrepreneur, like trying to find a social business model was was difficult. And so I felt like charities and nonprofits um, were already doing like some really great work in this space. And I decided that I could kind of channel my energies to supporting their work. As we were talking about your work in the past uh, with, you know, speaking to girls, this headline caught my attention. And I really wanted to hear some of your thoughts about it, even though you don't speak into that world anymore. I, I think, you know, as you said, your passion continues uh, the CDC released the Youth Risk Behavior Survey that found that girls are experiencing more violence, mental health challenges, suicidal thoughts and behaviors, and substance abuse uh, more than their male counterparts. Why do you think that is? I mean, we've pointed a lot to the pandemic and, you know, just, again, the collateral damage that we've seen on all of our young people uh, throughout the pandemic. But why do you think girls are suffering so much? One of the things that uh, as we were running Girl Talk Empowerment and as I was speaking in a lot more schools and, and, you know, we'd have our chapters running, like a theme that would continually emerge, Maggie, is the impact of social media on young people and especially girls because the most popular social media sites, you know, think Instagram and TikTok for this age demographic in particular, are are more commonly used by by girls. Mm. And so there's so much to unpack here. But I mean, um, before growing up, like I just even thinking about myself, you know, you'd have your music videos to compare yourself to, you'd have your magazines, you'd have, uh, you know, perhaps stuff that you see in movies or on TV. But now, these young people have a handheld device that they can access 24 seven, where they're able to just see a constant stream of other people's lives. And those are people who are peers, those are people who are celebrities, those are people that, you know, they never met before, like, it's just like this huge mash of, of content that is constantly available. And so there are a number of concerns that I have from this. But I mean, 
you know, we could talk like on a general perspective for youth, like attention spans and this need to always be entertained and being, I really feel like social media, if we allow our, our children to spend a lot of time on these applications that's sort of unfiltered and unchecked, you know, we're creating this this sort of idea that being passive and watching other people's content is the way to be when really what we want to be doing is encouraging our young people to be thinking about what actions can they be taking? Don't live a passive life. You know, how can you be actually creating something, you know, working on a hobby, working on a passion, learning, uh, growing, like all of those sorts of important things. And then when we talk about girls in particular, yeah, we're seeing a rise in a number of different um, mental health challenges, especially anxiety, uh, when it comes to constant comparison. And if they're, 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 you know, we've known and appreciated that there have been uh, unrealistic standards around beauty and image and and body and a whole bunch of challenges that each uh, each gender faces. But girls really are seeing constant images now that maybe you could shut off in a in a way before uh, of what they should look like or what beauty is, and it's causing this really unhealthy comparison trap. Absolutely, and I I think we all have been pointing our fingers at social media. Um, but we all still consume it, right? I mean, you know, part of what you do with Mic Drop is also personal brand awareness and so forth. And so we all know that this is something that uh, we all are attached to and connected to. But how do we how do we change that trajectory? It feels like we cannot put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, we are far down the stretch when it comes to social media and young people. Is there a way that we can change this, especially from young for young girls? You know, when we're hearing, uh, you know, these are really scary stats when we're talking about mental health challenges, when we're talking about suicidal ideations and thoughts and behaviors. This is not something that we can shrug off. So how do we how do we target this as a society, as a as a community? Yes. And I think like the massive difference is for adults, we can, we can mediate, you know, yeah. we can, we can monitor if we're recognizing that we're having an unhealthy use of social media, which happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you find yourself in a, in a random scroll, you know, a spiral, really. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you're you're looking at one piece of content and a half an hour's passed and now you're on like some completely random topic that you didn't originally look for, you know, go down the path. Like it happens. But as adults, we're able to kind of like step back and, um, you know, critically think uh, about how we've spent our time and how can we change this? What, what habit changes can we make? And I mean, it's hard for adults too, but I think that that's the really, really important part. One of the things that I stress a lot, even when I'm still uh, talking to you today is this idea of critical thinking mm. and this idea of future thinking um recognizing how we spend our time and why it matters recognizing that just because we're shown an image of something you know we need to be asking questions about the content and the media that we're shown like who's showing us this why are they showing us this what are some of the messages that they're trying to convey to us when we're looking at this it's like this is just you know taking a critical lens when we're looking at our media and for parents out there one of the best things that you can do for your children 
is limit their time on these applications, period, like period, period, period. And I think, um, you know, I, I was blessed to have really involved parents who forced me to do things that at sometimes I didn't want to do, you know, uh, they started out with forcing me to get involved in an extracurricular program at school or, you know, getting outside and, and playing. And, you know, that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of involvement that we need from from the people who are uh, working with children and and you know as parents we need someone who's that force who says we're limiting your time here and we're going to get you working on on something else that's healthy and productive and teaching those really healthy habits and so when you're working and you have your hat on as founder and lead publicist at mic drop how does that conversation translate to your um, to your clients in the fact that, like, I think, Katie, about the obligation that we all have with our social media handles and the fact that, you know, while we think we're just communicating with other adults, that there are impressionable young people watching us, especially women in media. And so how do you communicate that to your clients, to the people that you represent? Is that a conversation you have about how to be aware about, you know, when you talk about branding, but just also be aware of who is consuming what you're saying as well? Um, yeah, like, I mean, some of the clients, so at Mike Trap, we're working with a lot of um, tech startups uh, yeah. and we also work with like high profile people building their personal brands. So each one's a little bit different. Yep. Um, majority of our clients, the primary channel that they're using is is LinkedIn. And it's like a B2B um, right. type of, of relationship. So in that circumstance, it's a little bit different. Yeah. But um, I also represent, we also represent at Mike Drop some reality TV stars. Uh, you know, Netflix's Love is Blind show. Any fans out there? Yeah. We represent uh, Kelly Chase from season one. We represent Deep Deep Patty from season two. Too, and we were very intentional about choosing who we represented. We want to work with uh, individuals that we feel have a really empowering message. And both of those ladies do. And I'll just speak to Deep T, who was, you know, season two, a more recent season. Like she had such um, she had such an inspiring message to share. She was publicly humiliated on that show by, you know, the partner that she was with who who said awful things about her and her body. And Deep D has had an incredible story of, of overcoming those challenges in her own life. So yes, uh, it's a part of the conversation. When I met with Deep D, we talked about how we could amplify this personal message. She wanted to use her channel and profile. She has over a million followers on Instagram. She wanted to use that for good. Mm -hmm. And so we actually partnered together. The Mic Drop Agency published her first book wow. um, just fall of last year. It's called I Choose Myself, which was her really popular line from the show. And it's like an insight to, to her life, immigrating to Canada at a young age, uh, or sorry, not Canada, immigrating to the US mm -hmm. at a young age. And um, all of the challenges that she experienced with self-esteem and body image and finding her identity and how that translated into relationships growing up. So that's just one, one example of the ways that you can kind of work with people who have that influence to help them just amplify the, the positive messages that you want reinforced. I love it. We're continuing our conversation with Katie Zippieri, founder and lead publicist at the Mike Drop Agency. Katie, be honest with me. How uh, challenging is it to be an entrepreneur in uh, the GTA right now and, uh, you know, also building a personal brand? I think, um, I mean, there's definitely challenges. And uh, I think depending on the type of business that you're in, 
I can certainly um, I have a lot of sympathy for for businesses that say have, have storefronts and mm-hmm. you know what the pandemic challenges did. Like it, it, depending on which which type of business you're in, there's some really unique challenges that you that you face. But I think um, on the on the whole, I'm I'm loving seeing this support for entrepreneurs that's that's growing in my opinion like i mean even in the durham region we have um an incubator out here it's called the spark center and there there are these sort of hubs bringing together entrepreneurs and creating community and offering programs and uh mentorship and advisory services that i think are so wonderful and that's that's downtown toronto that's you know across the gta and bringing people together really to learn from each other and to get that kind of because one of the things that you'll hear a lot from entrepreneurs is it can be quite a lonely journey and experience and you know you're facing sort of unique challenges that uh you know if you don't have a board and you maybe don't have um, a large executive team like working with you you're kind of wearing the weight of a lot of those sort of major critical decisions um yourself so i think that focus on just building community is is so powerful and even like the conferences coming to toronto like look at collision like i mean they're already advertising this this is like a massive massive event where you've got people flying in from all over the world to come here from from world-class speakers and so i think people are, are seeing more and more toronto um is really rising and coming on the map um as an innovative tech focused city and so as we are looking at you know this by-election electing the next mayor of this city, what are some of the things that you're listening for as uh, as you hear the candidate speak? I think, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting time for Toronto right now with, with this upcoming election, um, with some of the, you know, trending news stories that that have been negative um, and, and are causing some real fear. So, I mean, on the entrepreneur side, I'm always looking for uh, leaders who are championing how they can foster and encourage innovation here. Like, I mean, we're looking at the impacts of new technologies coming out, generative AI tools, things like chat GPT that are fundamentally going to transform yeah. how you work and how we do business in the future. Like I, I have never seen anything like this. This kind of scary, like- Katie. <laughs> Jody and I were talking about this. Jody Davis, our uh, technical producer and entertainment expert. We were talking about this earlier. It's a little scary when we think about, you know, just AI and how it's taking over our world so quickly. It certainly can be. And I think um, it's, it's really important to, to lean in as as intimidating as it can feel at first to really lean in and um, be intentional about learning about these technologies and advocating where you can like I'm seeing some really great um, work being done on things like say like bias uh, detection mm. when it comes to AI and I'm, I'm seeing some really phenomenal leaders in that space and so learning a lot more I think is helpful and looking for different causes within that that you can kind of support and get involved in so I, I mean, I'm looking for a leader who uh, acknowledges the need for um, understanding and education and information and also leaning into how do we how do we make these technologies uh, better our cities and, and give people more job opportunities rather than what everybody's afraid of, which is like losing lots of jobs. And maybe it's just about transforming and preparing um, the next generation for the future of work and what that's going to look like. So that's on one hand. And then if we wanted to talk about some of the stories that 
perhaps on the negative front that cause a little bit of fear uh, for me, uh, for people I know, uh, things like rising rising crime levels yeah. in the city. And, um, you know, the, the TTC is just one example that just seems to be coming forward more and more. You're, you're hearing of some traumatic uh, situations and um, devastating loss that is happening. And it's to the point where people that I've talked to are, are avoiding taking the subway. Like they just, yeah. they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable using public transit right now. That is a very real concern. And I think we're having some productive dialogue around how we need to change this. Like what are the different measures? And it's, it's a complicated thing. I don't want to, you know, uh, suggest that it's simple, but there's, there's factors of mental health and mental health supports for people in general, but you know, how can we work in that place? You know, security and policing, what does that look like? What should that look like? Um, and, you know, how do we fundamentally create a space where people feel safer? There's also just Wi-Fi and technology. Mm-hmm. If you're down in the subway, you don't have a signal, you know, you don't have a phone signal, you 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 can't access Wi-Fi. Uh, and, and what would you do in an emergency situation where you need support? So these are all very real things that I think we need to be talking about. And to me, I think a big part of this mayoral election is going to be focused on like, that safety bit is going to be top and center for many people. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about the TTC, the city can't afford to see our transit system deplete. We need to be able to see it actually, you know, continue to thrive and grow. And, you know, as you know, and as our listeners know, ridership has gone down, more people are in their cars because of the exact same things you've said, Katie. People are afraid to uh, to go on transit. So what are some maybe out-of-the-box ideas that we need to be thinking about? Because I think one of the things that I've noticed with you know a number of the candidates who are speaking a little bit louder out of the 46, there are now 46 candidates, if you didn't know, Katie. Uh, 46 <laughs> people are currently running for the one seat. Um, is Everybody's kind of saying the same thing. And so... I feel like there needs to be space and room and a voice that is willing to think outside the box. Just the same way as you said, you know, AI could be exciting and, you know, looking at how that that can, uh, you know, change the way that we work. I just I think there needs to be a a new and a fresh approach into how we see uh, the ways that we can rehabilitate our transit system, which is really uh, not doing very well at this point. At this point, I agree. I agree with you. I think I think creativity, <laughs> innovation, uh, bringing forward out of the box ideas is needed. And um, you know, how can we maybe leverage different partnerships, uh, different different groups, and different sectors that have particular areas of expertise? Like, how can we bring that all together mm-hmm. to solve a challenge? Right? Like, instead of just um, sort of only thinking about the same couple things that would would be part of the solution. Like, how can we really get some sort of advisory committee going on this? How can we have a conversation that brings in people with different skill sets and uh, backgrounds and expertise in this space that might be able to to lend ideas? How are other cities around the world handling these challenges? What are they doing? What can we be inspired by? What what can we bring here to the city? Like, these are all really really valuable. Uh, questions to be asking, and I don't, I don't have the answers, but I know that um, there's certain places where you can travel to and and feel safe. And it, it for a long time that was Toronto. I yeah. commuted, to, I commuted to 
university and I would take the TTC in transit and, you know, all, all the time, every day. And I felt safe. That is not the case right now. So um, it's really just raising this, this need for us to reconsider. Yeah. I'm curious, how do you see the future of work also unfolding in the GTA and surrounding area? You know, and I think that goes hand in hand with our conversation about the TTC. You know, more people are uh, working from home, working part time in the office. Um, it also goes hand in hand with your our initial conversation about, you know, you working alongside small businesses as well and the ways that you're seeing them be a lot more efficient what are you seeing when it comes to the future of work in the city? Ooh, the future of work. I mean, people want better work-life balance. Yeah. People want that. There, There's tests being done right now on the four-day work week. There's a strong push where we realized during the pandemic we can work remotely and function just fine. Many jobs, many, many jobs, not all. But many jobs, you have the ability to work remotely or a hybrid model, and you know you can function uh, wonderfully productive. You know, I, I think what I'm hearing, we actually uh, represent someone at Mike Drop who is a future of work expert, and what I was hearing him say, um, his name's Hamza Khan. He's you know a TEDx speaker, and one of the things that he's talked about is just. Um, employees and workers are looking for places where they can work where they feel acknowledged, valued, accepted, trusted uh, by their employer. So that's that's the thing, you know, previously, maybe you'd hear that um, employers were nervous about having their employees work remotely because you're not able to supervise what they're working on. And, you know, uh, this previous rigid model of having to sit at your desk from nine to five. And that only applies to some jobs, but, you know, kind of that idea where you have to be stuck to your seat and this is what it looks like that is shifting and, and workers want that people want that they, they want to have a better home life experience. And, you know, you're recognizing that maybe you could lose um, hours in your day commuting. Maybe you could earn some of that back even a couple days a week. And I think that that is so very important. And as an employer, I mean, you know, we're a team of five right now at the Mic Drop Agency. We're, we're growing. And I'm constantly thinking about how can I create um workplace culture where people love to come to work and love what they do because they feel supported. They feel like their ideas are heard. They feel like they have a lot of freedom um, and and they're empowered in their role to help make decisions and, uh, you know, are able to manage their own time. Because fundamentally, I think the idea of how we used to look at work where it has to be 40 hours a week and it has to look like this, yeah. we're even moving to more of like a project-based kind of approach. Not to say that a lot of our team isn't working many of those hours, but it's based on the project and right. the deadline and when it's due. And that gives a lot of flexibility of what time of day and how you know our team is able to work on those tasks. And I, I think that that is the way that we're moving towards the future of work rethinking it all. Katie, thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciated our conversation. Yeah, this was awesome, Maggie. Thanks so much for having me on.